Iran was seen as weak. The technocrats were also once young Islamist revolutionaries, but instead of donning IRGC uniforms, they manned the civilian ministries. Rather than rising out of poverty, they came from middle-class homes. Many were educated in the West. Both groups were forged in the chaos that immediately followed the 1979 revolution, but each took a different lesson from that period. At the ministries in Tehran, the technocrats learned firsthand how revolutionary fanaticism, cutting off trade with the outside world, for example, could lead to international isolation and harm the economy. The IRGC, meanwhile, found that same fanaticism indispensable for mobilizing a small yet determined base to advance its interests, first on the battlefield against Iraq's Saddam Hussein and later against opponents on the home front. Today, the technocrats and the IRGC generals hold very different views on the merits of reform. The former want to bring Iran into the global economy, whereas the latter fear that the arrival of Western capital and technologies will endanger their economic interests. As the principal beneficiaries of the regime, in terms of both power and money, the IRGC generals have all the reason in the world to oppose reform. Hence, after Rouhani was elected in 2013, the IRGC was quick to mobilize against his agenda. When Javad Zarif, Rouhani's foreign minister, managed to secure the international deal on Iran's nuclear program in 2015, the IRGC-controlled media portrayed him as not a real revolutionary, pointing out that he was pursuing a doctorate at the University of Denver when the IRGC's current leaders were in the trenches fighting Saddam. They have also pilloried Bijan Zangane, Rouhani's oil minister, for trying to bring Western investment into Iran's ailing oil and gas sector, never missing an opportunity to depict him as a sellout. But the IRGC's efforts to defend its interests are not tantamount to a complete rejection of all Rouhani stands for. The generals recognize that they depend on the technocrats to keep the machinery of government running. After Rouhani became president, the IRGC engaged in another round of awkward give-and-take, its official budget has increased, as has its meddling in Iraq and Syria, but at the same time, the president has tried to persuade the generals to lessen their domestic political and economic footprint. For example, he has used the nuclear deal to bargain with the IRGC. In exchange for staying further away from politics, its generals would get a share of the economic opportunities that result from the deal. The political tango is ongoing, but Rouhani is undeniably pushing back against the IRGC's penetration of state institutions. Despite the ill will, all the factions within the regime engage in self-control, recognizing that a breakdown in political order could bring about the end of the Islamic Republic altogether. A desire to see the regime survive could compel the IRGC to compromise on its pick for supreme leader. At the same time, Vakil and Rassam are far too dismissive of the power of Rouhani and the moderate reformist ship he is now captaining. The technocrats will not sit idly by as the IRGC attempts to grab more power. After seeking to co-opt the IRGC, to no avail, Rouhani offered a blunt assessment of the group. If you put intelligence services, guns, money, investment, and the media into the hands of one entity— then Salman himself would have been corrupted, he said in a 2014 speech, referring to the Prophet Muhammad's first Persian convert. Alluding to the IRGC's economic extortions, he added, what used to happen under the table is now happening on the table. Rouhani's comments infuriated the IRGC's bosses. Muhammad Ali Jafari, the group's commander, 
reacted by implying that the president had a hidden agenda designed to undo the revolutionary character of the regime. Rouhani also has something the IRGC and the supreme leader do not. Legitimacy among the public. After all, the president is answerable to the ballot box. And unlike the security-focused IRGC, Rouhani and his technocrats can speak to the many socioeconomic problems affecting everyday life in Iran. From unemployment, to environmental degradation, to draconian social laws, even in an autocracy, popular legitimacy matters. And in Iran, the technocrats come closest to reflecting the aspirations of ordinary Iranians. Khamenei's Quandary No analysis of Iran's power struggle is complete without taking Khamenei into account. Vakil and Rassam do an excellent job outlining the Supreme Leader's patient consolidation of power since he took over in 1989. As they point out, Khamenei instantly...